Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. Joining me tonight, as always, is my partner, Bevo. We have a special guest speaker tonight, Propaganda Daily. He's a good friend of ours while Ralph is on vacation right now. And we wanted to start the show off with a couple of headlines this week. We did a show a little while ago on FTX, and it, when we did that, Bevo had brought up how much tie-ins that that exchange actually had with everything in the world. And it turns out in one of the headlines that uh, uh, Carolyn Ellison brought up that FTX used $100 million of customer funds to bribe Chinese officials. So I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty interesting. Uh, one other media idea that, or one other uh, media freakout that came out was Amazon Alexa systems started saying to a few times to some people that the 2020 American elections were stolen and it was uh, sourcing its information from sites like Rumble, but it was saying that according to it, it felt the election was stolen. And as soon as they found out about that, the company just shut it down and they altered the programming so Alexa is no longer able to answer questions about that election anymore. The next headline was China's birth rate plummeted 10% to the lowest on record. They were expecting a higher percentage because of COVID, and they figured they'd have a lot more births after lockdowns. And they weren't the only country. There was quite a few countries across the world. And the reason I'm bringing this particular headline up is because there are a lot of people who suspect that the vaccine actually has a issue with it and it and it causes people to ha become more sterile so that was why i brought that one up after everyone got vaccinated is the reason we're seeing lower birth rates across the world because of the vaccine or is it because of some other reason after that one we have another headline it turns out that another <clears throat> uh oil pipeline another undersea pipeline in the baltic has had some issues they had a leak down there and the Finnish officials who were uh, investigating it said that a day later, they have said their investigation <coughs> was based on the premise of sabotage. They believe that this was intentional, not just a, uh, a random accident or anything like that. After that one, <clears throat> I wanted to bring up CBDCs because... The Bank of International Settlements has launched a project, and the project is called Mar Mariana. And that project was with France, Singapore, and Switzerland, and they are testing already cross-border wholesale CBDCs. The reason that was important also was because the difference between wholesale CBDCs and retail is retail is going to be the ones that we all get and the wholesale are going to be the ones for what we would consider the people that are the wealthy 1%. And the last one, Bevo, I brought this one up as a joke, but I saw it and I said, I need to have this. So apparently in the state of California, they are getting ready to ban a candy we have called Skittles. And oh. they claim it's for four different harmful chemicals. They said the candy is going to be banned by 2027. So apparently they're not that worried about it. But I got a kick out of it because I'm like, really, guys? I'm like, we just did an episode a little while ago on all of the GMO foods and the terrible damn things that they put into all the food that we have and the manipulation of the crops. And you guys are pulling a candy because it has a couple of things in it you don't like. Meanwhile, we're tinkering with the entire world's, you know, agricultural system. So from there, we're going to start tonight with some of the technologies 
in our topic of conversation. We're going to do lost technologies, and uh, then we're going to move into suppressed technologies. This topic came as a listener of ours who's a good friend of ours and requested the show. So with this, I actually started off, and Propaganda, you brought up a really good uh, lost technology, and I wanted to start with that. Tell us what you found on that Baghdad battery. All right. Well, thanks for having me on here as a guest. Um, so this one, my ADD went out of control on this one. I was all over the place. But the Baghdad battery uh, is sort of, uh, it's close to Egypt, and you know, there's a lot of mystery of technology of how they built the pyramids and all these amazing things that happened down there. But there's this interesting vessel that was discovered um, sometime, and I believe it was, uh, I want to say the 30s. And it was this uh, basically like a, uh, a clay pot that has a, a copper tube and then basically an iron you know, centerpiece that goes through it. And in all intents and purposes, this is the building blocks to a battery if you have the right kind of liquid in it. And the speculation of what this thing, you know, it's a uh, time period it existed. It's probably somewhere in the 150 BC to maybe 200 AD is one of the speculations. Um, but, you know, the question is, is it actually a battery? What was the in intended purpose? Um, and it's all kinds of speculation about it. Uh, it just doesn't really fit into the time period. Um, one of the, the ideas is it was used sort of as electrotherapy possibly or maybe for electroplating, but it's just an interesting time, you know, interesting concept of this thing that resembles a modern technology, um, has all the components of it. But the, 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 I guess the thing we don't ever get to find out is, is was it actually used as a battery or in some sort of electrical uh, process? Uh, maybe it was purely just a way to store some scrolls and, you know, you put the scroll around the, the center uh, piece and you put it into the copper, uh, container to protect it but it's just it's wild to think uh with all these cool things going along uh maybe we had electricity you know two thousand years earlier than we thought yeah you know i saw a couple of people online that have tried to recreate it and they claim that their results were positive so they said that they were able to take the uh the entire inner workings of that model and actually make enough electricity to light a small bulb now mm -hmm. <laughs> again could it be that they knew about electricity or could this like you said just be a better way of storing things in the pot and it happened to have an electric current running through it you know it could uh, that have been a byproduct <clears throat> there was a time where the egyptians believed that beer was healthier than water and the reason why was because in the brewing process they were boiling the beer to to make the mash and that was actually purifying the water because the water they had wasn't as pure. So they believed that, hey, you know what? This beer is healthier because of the herbs in it. Well, it's also healthier because you're boiling the water and you're not boiling your regular water. So that yeah, interesting one on there. Have you guys in a little more recent times, have you guys ever heard of the Rife machine? That was one of the ones that I wanted to bring up. It was uh, Royal Raymond Rife was his name. And he was an uh, experimenter and inventor, and he was very heavy into the medical field. And if you guys have never seen this one, it was pretty incredible. He created this machine that was designed, uh, he was working at, on things at a cellular level. And what it was was two emitters that could put out a frequency. And that frequency was adjusted to be able to shatter the cell wall of a particular cell. 
And it's almost like when you see people take uh, like a loud sound and shatter a wine glass. It was along the same lines. But the reason he was doing it was because he claimed that he could focus on a particular disease. And that disease was cancer at the time. And he could tune it into the frequency of the, the cancer cell walls and cause them to resonate till they burst. And then your body itself would have this, you know, cancer that, that the cells died when that happened and your body would just expel the cells. So it was what he was claiming to be an early on way to cure cancer. And there are a lot of people who have taken that up. Again, there were a lot of people who said, nope, this is not working, this is not true. But the logic behind it was there. So that was an interesting one. You guys ever see that? Yeah, it's interesting on that one. The, <clears throat> the good old um, FDA, they seem to pop up every week too, don't they? Um, they <laughs> yep. issued warnings against using the Rife machines. Um, one would have to assume that the boys that popped over for their, their, their time on the board um, from Pfizer um, – across the FDA made sure that the Rife machine got got dumbed down because you can't be selling medicine if you kill people, can you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's just... Uh, it was a, uh, there was one of the Rife uh, um, viewings, I guess you could call it, where they had a bunch of people come in and the guys who were backing Rife at the time said to these guys, hey, listen, guys, we don't want any more BS. We're, we're tired of everybody telling us this doesn't work. So we're going to sit down, we're going to explain it to you, we're going to show you how it works, we're going to let you do it yourself so that there's no question about it, but you have to promise us that if you do the sit-in and you find that this works, that when you leave, you go back to whoever the hell sent you, your companies, your businesses, and you write out a paper telling everyone publicly, this worked. All these guys showed up, <laughs> it worked, none of these guys wrote a single story about them being there. They didn't even say they went. So you definitely know there was something to that when nobody will even talk about it. If they came back and said, no, it was complete BS, that would have been one thing. But they all came back and didn't say anything about the trip. So, you know, something was going on with that. And uh, have you guys ever seen – this one's an, uh, an, a cool one at the beginning of the century, but do you guys ever see airships, the early on airships? Like the Hindenburg and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was before the blimp times. There was, uh, uh, in America anyway, a huge sighting, a wave of sightings that were in the newspapers all over the country of these airships that were flying around that looked like blimps. And they would land in regular public areas and they would talk to people that were there. And a lot of times they just said that they needed water to uh, operate their engines. And that was it. One of them actually said that he was working with some financiers out of New York City, Manhattan at the time. And uh, we had this huge wave of these sightings of these airships that were regular people just flying around in these things way before any type of Zeppelin was involved. And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden we didn't hear from them anymore. That was the end of it. I've never heard that, anything about that. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, what was interesting was was that they, they flew slowly enough to where <clears throat> or they could hover slowly enough also to where it went so slow that when they'd go in a direction, there was enough time for word of mouth to get from one person to another 
so they could uh, tell people in the next town or, you know, a couple towns over and they would say, hey, you guys got to see this is coming your way. And the newspapers would print it and the next newspaper would just pick up the article and say, yeah, we saw the same thing these guys were talking about. Yeah, that's an interesting one, Bevo. You might want to check that out. But the ancient airships, yeah, we had a whole rash of sightings what, with those guys. What year are you talking there, roughly? Uh, let me take a look here. Uh, go ahead and BS, guys. I'm going to look this up. It's, yeah, just it sounds like it's UFO uh, phase one to me. <laughs> yeah, just to just to um, talk along the same vein as props. Oh, and welcome, props, and thanks for coming. By the way, um, yeah, good, good, to, good to have you on board. Um, you were talking about the the battery technology there. The the guys a couple of thousand years ago. There's there's a myriad of things that you know we're aware of now. Um, that they were that these guys were using, and then all of a sudden the the technology was either forgotten or not used, and then has resurfaced. Um, and these aren't out, you know, but by any stretch, a couple of like to mention they're not by any stretch uh, earth shattering, but just the fact that two thousand years ago or longer <clears throat> they had this technology. Um, and one was there's a town in um, England called Bath, um, as in you take a bath and i've actually been there and and seen it. it's an old roman city that they dug up um excavated it from you know however many feet and this it was called bath because it was roman baths and this town is like two thousand years old and the romans two thousand years ago had um plumbing this this and i actually seen it with my own eyes they made pipe out of copper and they had the town was fully plumbed with copper mm -hmm. piping this is like two thousand years ago yeah i mean awesome. you know we've got whole countries now that still crap in the street mate you know that wouldn't have a clue about plumbing so that that sort of amazes me that way back then they were that far ahead and the other thing that the the romans did was their concrete um our concrete today supposedly is you know good for a hundred years or what have you but their concrete that the the romans used and they only just i believe just recently worked out um how it was made and what it, what it was in it and um, they used volcanic ash and um some reactive minerals and and salt water and and what have you and it was this thing called a, a ponzionic reaction that, that created the concrete. But their concrete's, you know, structures that they've got are like 2,000 years old and hasn't crumbled, it's still going along, and it actually heals itself. Um, if it gets cracks, the um, <clears throat> the interlocking crystal structures um, within the concrete um, meld back together and, and seal themselves up again. So, you know, I don't know where whatever happened to that technology and where we got rid of it, and Actually, what? both of those, Bevo, because using <laughs> copper for plumbing also was a big thing for us. You know, that, that there was a big step there. I mean, there were plenty of uses of piping that were nowhere near as good as copper, and copper still seems to be the lead well, for didn't, plumbing. Didn't we use lead for a long time? That was a good call. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. <clears throat> and it, it was interesting, too, if I'm not mistaken, that the um, lower classes in, in Rome used copper and there was the upper class that a lot of times had lead, lead plumbing because it was viewed as a superior metal, if I'm not mistaken. 
So oh. you had a lot of emperors going mad simply because lead poisoning. Lead poisoning? <laughs> That's something, man. And yeah, Bebo, I had heard that about the... Oh, by the way, the airship uh, phenomenon was the uh, 1890s. Okay. Um, I had heard about uh, the concrete for the Romans. That was pretty incredible, actually. And like you said, what? How did how did that fall off? I mean, that empire was so big, and they were so good. I mean, they had one of the most accurate mailing systems going of the ancient world. You could actually deliver packages far and wide, and it it was fairly reasonable to do it. So, how did that information just get pushed to the side or lost? You know, I mean, it's a hell of a story. But yeah, they were way ahead on things. Yeah, they they um <clears throat> they definitely were. The- them and I guess the Greeks too. I mean, we still use a lot of their their mathematics, etc. So that that whole region was fairly advanced, and then <clears throat> we didn't do a lot. If not, we went backwards for for centuries. Yeah, for a uh, long time. There, go yeah. ahead, Rob. I was just going to say, it seems <clears throat> like this gets into the sort of secular society idea because you had like this build up to the Bronze Age, uh, you know, say a couple hundred BC. And you know, yeah, the Egyptians, this sort of peak society, and the and the Greeks, and then they they all claim they got stuff from the Mesopotamians, and and then it seems like that's a, that collapsed, and then we had the, this next buildup of the Iron Age, and so it kind of makes you wonder of like how far back does that go? Like the legends of like Atlantis and pre Bronze Age, like maybe there is a bunch of advancements that are just completely lost to history from sort of those previous cycles of civilization. It's, it's you know, prop, actually, there's a possibility there because they unearthed a city that I, I can't, th- I think it was Teotihuacan or Tiwanaku, one of those two cities that they, it was an archaeological dig and it wound up being huge and they unearthed this entire city, which was carved out of uh, stone but what was important about it was the mathematics that were used to the city and the carbon dating was like 12,000 years ago and there you're talking about a time and a culture that didn't even we didn't even believe that they had written language at that time yet they're using advanced mathematics to build these buildings that's insane 12,000 yeah, years. It, it really, it threw off the historical record really big. I'll look that up later on and I'll post it on Noster to show you guys. It was one of the bigger archaeological finds. And it's a massive city and the entire thing is buried for whatever reason. Nobody's really sure how or why that happened. Even if they did abandon the entire city, it was, uh, nobody's really sure how it got filled. It would have taken so much time to do that that uh, it would have been older than that. But they're guessing 12,000 years, and they're you know speculating on that from carbon dating, and they're looking at the city going, you know what, this is, you know like I said, advanced math, architectural math. So how do you do that with a civilization that doesn't even have a written language? Maybe, that, one, that one's maybe, a good one. Here's a, here's a wild theory. If we were to all disappear due to the fact that we use paper and digital, and we don't write anything down on stone or or anything that lasts a long time, would people think that we knew how to write? Right, right. <clears throat> and uh, the other thing is, is, like, communication between us, like, the Rosetta Stone, you know, I mean, how do we, how would they know if we were able to communicate back and forth over cultures? Because even if they did find things, if they unearthed, you know, small books or stuff like that, they would see that it's in very different language. So they would have no idea how we actually did that. You know, how did we cross communicate that way? We would, yeah, we would look like cavemen to them. I agree with that. The other one, man, have you guys seen that uh, Stan Meyer's water fuel cell? 
that one was one I wanted to bring up for a, a technology that was uh, more of a suppressed one. But uh, that got into the when I was talking about the airships, the airship phenomenon said that all those airships worked on uh, water of in some way. That was their fuel. And Stan Myers was a gentleman that actually built an engine that could run on water by splitting the oxygen and hydrogen using the hydrogen as the fuel itself and igniting that. And it could be done with just about any water. I mean, it could have been done with rainwater. And uh, of course, not to surprise anyone, but when he went to his meeting with whatever company wanted to buy it, he was everyone believes he was murdered at the meeting because they sat down to dinner and they served him a drink. He drank it, started choking, ran outside and yelled, they poisoned me. And that was the last thing he ever said. And from there, the family sold off a lot of his stuff. But yeah, we had, you know, many people who have claimed to have water cell as a fuel. And Myers was one of them. I, I really liked his story. Have you guys ever seen him before? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I have heard of him and read a little bit about him. Um, I mean, it's pretty basic. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a pretty basic uh, um, theory. You're just getting water and splitting, you know, the hydrogen, and the oxygen, um, burning the oxygen, uh, burning the hydrogen, and then the, the byproduct is water vapor and and a bit of O2. So, you know, it all works, but that doesn't do the oil industry any good, does it? No, so, not at all. Not <clears throat> at all. You know, there was, uh, I was telling propaganda at one point in time when I was younger, speaking of the oil industry, I remember when I was in high school, I was taking mechanics classes and I would read popular mechanics <clears throat> in different magazines that were talking about the newest technologies. And there was something called the Dynacam engine that the trick was, was that it was 13 inches long, nine inches around and had a single moving cam going through the center, but it used like 90% less fuel than a engine that could produce the same amount of horsepower. And what they were using them for was small single engine planes. But you could see how that would have attracted attention from the oil companies because it's not using anywhere near the amount of oil. So years later, when I was in college, I was thinking about it and I said, you know what, I wonder whatever happened to these guys. And I called around a little bit to try to find out. And it turned out that a group of the uh, oil companies had gotten together and they gave them a small price and they bought out their patent and they shelved it. And we've never seen a Dynacam engine again. That was the end of it. You can still look that one up. It was, to me, it was an excellent idea, but it was still internal combustion engine. But it was an excellent idea at the time because of what it could produce. It's amazing, eh? There's lots of different technologies like that. Um, solar panels, for example, like we were just talking about, you know, water as a water cell. Well, what about solar panels? That disrupts the oil industry, you know. <clears throat> No end. And I believe there was a Canadian inventor named George Cove who um, developed solar panels back in 1905. Um, and he <coughs> he actually got, I believe he got kidnapped or something. And the, oh, the deal for him getting released or for them to let him go was that he um, forfeit his patents or whatever and give over all the information, um, which he did, and they let him go. And then um, that was it. The company folded and it just went away. <laughs> that just, I mean, that even sounds like such 
blatant ridiculousness because I'm going to kidnap somebody and I'm not going to ask for money. I'm just going to ask for the books on his shelf and then I'll give him back. That, that just that just stinks all over the place. You know yeah. what I mean? It's pretty rude, yeah. it's pretty rudimentary, but that's how they did it back in 1909, yeah, or whenever 1905. That's what that's what happened yeah. back then. Um, yeah, so um, and he had batteries, he had rudimentary batteries, and you know his his belief was that he could give free energy to the poor, you know, to have lights and basic, you know, electrical functions within their houses back in 1905. But yeah, they they got hold of all his all his um, research and you know how to do it all and shelved it. And that was the end of that. Done. And here Unreal. we are, you know, hundred hundred years later, um, you know. Burnt God knows how much oil, and now we're just starting to to roll out the the solar panels. So you know, you look at the world and how we would have been if we had have adopted that technology. You know, a hundred years ago, where that would be today, and what that would have led to is is mind boggling. But you know, oh man, it is what it you is. Know, there was a there was another one that you were talking about. People just independently able and able to power their homes. <clears throat> There was a uh, farm. I can't think of the name of the farm right now, but uh, there was something called an earth battery. Have you guys looked at earth batteries yet? There are uh, quite a few people online actually doing it. You can actually uh, go on YouTube and see people doing it. Have you guys seen any of these yet, Prop? Yeah, I, I was looking into a little bit into it, but uh, I, I <laughs> that kind of sent me down some other rabbit holes. But I mean, the premise of it looks like you're just you know using stakes and using the Earth's like electromagnetism to to generate power. Uh, that's about as far as I've gotten, but it does seem like it's quite a quite an and interesting concept. That's exactly what it is. That's I mean you're 100 percent right on that. And the thing is, is that the materials needed for it are very easy. All it is is two dissimilar metals, like an iron and a copper, and. Uh, just a, a small setup can power an entire house, but the trick is, you're right, it's using the energy that the Earth itself is producing, so there's not a drain on it. It's it's not like it's a source of fuel that would run out at any, but this same thing as solar, you know, it's not a source that's going to run out anytime soon. So there was a farm that was actually using this, and it was very well documented because the guy who wanted to find out about this was Nikolai Tesla. He went down there and he started looking at this guy's farm and his setup and he's like, oh, he goes, that's pretty incredible. So basically you just stick these two pieces of metal in the ground, wire up a couple of things and you produce electricity for your entire farm. Meanwhile, we can do it right now. I mean, if you go on Wikipedia, they actually show models of how to do this. And it's really simple to do. So you have to wonder, why isn't this bigger news? You know what I mean? And we get back to, you know, the suppressing of this technology. And it's the oil industries most of the time that we see this happening through. Well, it's it's, it's and, government. You know, I know that... Uh, Bebo wanted to talk a little bit about Tesla, and that was one of the ones that I liked the most. So just to give a brief overview on that, <clears throat> Tesla was looking at different energies, and he said at one point to truly understand energy, you need to understand frequency. And that was what he was looking for was that frequency that the Earth could you know, resonate at. He put something together called the Wardenclyffe Tower. And this tower was actually in New York. And what he did was he was working with J.P. Morgan's money at the time. 
And he put this tower together, and his idea was you put up a few of these towers, and it's collecting the energy that's coming directly from the Earth, just like the Earth's battery. And then you're distributing it to everyone everywhere to power whatever device that you could think of that would be an electric device. So basically, it was another endless fuel source that he was working on. He was really trying to change the world there. And when Morgan found out about it, the joke is uh, he, he was pissed because you couldn't put a meter on it. Basically, what it was was they got into it because he had no way of charging people for the power generated. So it costs money to put up the tower, but you had no way of charging everyone else for that. Because Morgan obviously wasn't interested in, you know, making the world a better place, but Tesla was. Morgan went as far as to not just cut his funding, but write letters to everyone he could think of that had any money at all and say, hey, look, don't invest in this guy's stuff because we don't want it out there. We don't want people doing this. We want to be the ones that are controlling this economically. I'm sure you've seen that one, Prop. Yeah. It's the whole uh, Nikolai Tesla, just like, I mean, just going down the fact that we went, you know, the idea of DC versus AC, like we literally had a completely different um, sort of path we could have taken when it comes to electricity production and consumption i mean we know like all our electronics are um you know dc based direct current and we actually spend a lot of effort just changing uh you know from something from ac that's what comes through your power lines converting it to dc and uh, there's actually a lot of waste that just takes place in that conversion alone and it's just kind of wild that you know, this we could have had an alternative uh, <clears throat> history of all this and just a completely different technological path. Unreal, right? <clears throat> I mean, to, and it, to think if Tesla had actually gotten his way there, that oh man, <laughs> what would a what would the world have looked like in that sense? You know, and Bebo, you're pretty familiar with a lot of Tesla's work, and you're familiar with that one. Did you find anything on that that was interesting on your end? Yeah, there's. I mean, you could talk for. For weeks about Tesla, <clears throat> um, he you know he was obviously a very smart man. Um, he's the guy that gave us the um, the engine for a start and the transmission of power. I mean, just those two things alone. Look what it's done to to uh, our world. But <clears throat> just as with anybody that's you know extremely smart, they seem to the normal person to be a little bit off grid. Um, and get, you know, pointed out as being a crackpot or what have you, usually at the time, but then as time marches on, they usually get found out to be that they were an absolute genius and probably should have listened to him longer. So there was probably um, definitely, well, not probably, there is definitely something in those Wardenclyffe Towers. Um, You can actually go on YouTube and and find people that have done experiments with the... um, those electricity towers and it actually works like oh really they got it to do they got it to replicate yeah and you can you can make electricity and and power light bulbs and you know do whatever you want to do um but you know it's pretty rudimentary at the moment because no one's sort of ever worked on it that we know of um but it was interesting one of the things that i sort of fell down with him was 
When he died, he was living in, um, he spent the last 10 years of his life in what in a place called the New Yorker Hotel in New York. And he lived in a, in a hotel room. And he had all his... Uh, all his work, you know, all his all his theories and all his paperwork, etc. And he had eighty trunks and a safe. Ooh. Yeah, in this hotel room and big hotel room. And he had um, in nineteen forty three is when he died. Um, someone broke into that room that night and stole documents from the safe. And. It was just like, how did that happen? How did someone know that, you know, A, he was dead? And because I think it was the maid found him like two days after he died. And how did they, you know, know he was dead and get in there? Well, as it turns out, um, the FBI, and it was back then they called it the OSS, which, okay. which is the precursor to CIA. Okay, so okay. <laughs> you had OSS, so we're talking back in the 40s. Um, I guess it, um, they probably wanted it to get rid of the SS, yeah, they, so they changed it to CIA. Um, probably had a bit of a stink about it after World War II, having SS in your, yeah. your yeah, three-letter word. That. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> Just guessing, I don't know. Um, but the CIA or the OSS and the FBI, they actually had um, rented ho hotel rooms and were staying in the hotel um, in the previous months leading up to his de death and what they also worked out is that in that building you could get access to the the telephone room the exchange that was in the actual room you know back in the day they had the big switchboards and ladies yeah, would sit there and yeah. connect and whatever and i actually seen it you can walk around the back and you can actually look where his room was and you can see it's all numbered and so they believe that you know these guys are just sitting there trying to glean all the information from his phone calls etc etc anyway they've taken this stuff <clears throat> from well no one knows but we're assuming let's assume it's the fbi or the ss um, and they then, after after that, that was clandestine, right? But after he died, the FBI came in, and even though he was a naturalised US citizen, they used his immigration status against him and seized all of those trunks, <laughs> okay? But the official records of the... Um, from the FBI is that they took 30 trunks, but he had 80. But he had 80. <laughs> yeah. And then th they had these trunks for nine years and they went through them, which I'll talk a, bit, a little bit later, but they went through all these trunks and all this stuff. They returned all, all the documents and the trunks to the family, which is now in a museum in Serbia. Um, they got 60 trunks. So he had 80 trunks. The FBI recorded they took 30, but magically 60 went to the family. So <laughs> you tell me how many... <laughs> so ridiculous. So you tell me how many trunks there are and what they kept and what they've been working on. Um, but it was interesting in there... Um, I laughed when I, when I found all this out. Um, when they seized his trunks um, and were going through all his information... Um, the guy that was a chief scientist for the government at the time who was responsible for going through this and the director of all this was John, uh, John J. Trump, and it was actually President Trump's uncle. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
And so, but what he came out and said was, yeah, nothing to see here. This is all garbage. He's a crackpot. Don't listen to what he was saying. It doesn't work. Yada, yada, yada. Give them back their trunks. Like, give, 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 you know, and this is nine years later, give them the family back all his work. Um, but yeah, obviously, there was um, some technology and some stuff that they seen merit in and have kept. That was my deduction. Um, and, you know, have obviously been using that, um, you know, for, for however long and God knows what they've developed. And, you know, particularly interests me is is this um, tower and because you can actually, there are works and physics out there that showing that these Tesla towers can actually be used um, as weapons as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can, and I don't know, look, I didn't, I'm not a physicist, mate, I don't know, but... You know, I did read some documents that, you know, were put some hypotheses together of how you can actually get these to be like beam forming um, weapons of some description. So, you know, who knows, mate? But anyway, there's you a know, whole, um, there's a whole I, lot of... I will of, say the thing that kills me about that story was you said the FBI and the precursor to the CIA had already set up rooms in the hotel months before he died. Hmm. So if you ever wondered if these guys are doing best for their country and for the general public, if they already knew way ahead of time that his technology was groundbreaking and revolutionary, they would have walked this guy right into the White House and said, here, you know what? You can have a corner office, man. Do your work. We'll build you a team, make the world a better place. But they didn't, you know? And so right away, you can see, I mean, just them having rooms in that hotel yeah. right away is suspicious. <clears throat> you know that they were tracing whatever he was doing. And, you know, Bevo, I had actually heard a long time ago, and this one's purely speculative, but there are people that believe that the, the Tunguska event was a Tesla weapon. So as you were talking about building that tower and being able to throw something similar to a lightning bolt in an, in an arcing, arcing fashion uh, across the atmosphere, there are people that believed that, that the official story of a meteor coming in for leveling all that forest in Russia wasn't actually that. They said, no, they said, we believe that this is actually a weaponized uh, Tesla tower. Huh. Because the... Cause the, uh, the <laughs> It doesn't surprise me, eh? Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can draw here. The the way the whole UFO stuff's coming out as well, which we can talk about in another episode, I guess. But you know how, like, the 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 top, even the top brass are now finding out stuff that they should have known, but they weren't privy to. And so there are sections within the government that are so secret that not even the president and and all these guys, and it's been going on for years. So, you know, no one knows what, you know, what's actually getting funded um, by the US dollar. So, you know, a uh, missile costs two million, but it only costs really, um, you know, 100 grand. 1.9 million goes off into this other pool, which looks after this other research and stuff that's going on that nobody at the top end knows about. So there's all those type of things. But the interesting thing about this, this hotel, which I, I omitted before, was when you look at the schematics of the Tesla Tower and you look at the schematics of the New Yorker Hotel, the way the New Yorker Hotel was constructed, it looked like a Tesla Tower on the inside with the metal structure and the piping leading down into the ground, etc., etc. and then it just had a skin around it. And if you look at some early pictures of it, it's got the big um, copper balls and that that are, um, you know, 50 or 60 feet 
ascending from the from the actual roof line. So it, it, there, there's no real hard evidence because he can't get hold of the documentation, but they think that he was actually using the hotel to do a lot of his experiments, etc. And there was one guy after he got dumped, as you're saying before, um, by uh, what's his name, um, the finance guy. Oh, Oh, Morgan. Uh, yeah, by J.P. Morgan after he got dumped. He did end up getting an investor, a billionaire. Or, oh, really? Yeah, and this that's the guy who funded this hotel that he was living in and whatever. So there's all these... Oh, no kidding. Yeah, okay. there's, all, there's all this type of stuff that went on too, apparently. I mean, it's a very long and drawn-out story. Like I said, you could probably do a 10-part series, so I'm just trying to... Um, but that's pretty cool, though. So you have... Let's say, I mean, it, that looks good on a hypothetical. Let's say you have a wealthy investor that believes in Tesla's technology being able to revolutionize things. Tesla needs a place to work. And he says, I'll tell you what, you show me the schematic of a tower and I'll have somebody build a hotel around it. You yeah, know, yeah. and I wonder if that was like their deal where it was, you know, you can live in a hotel and do whatever you need. And if you get anything out of it, if anything comes out of it, then, you know, I get part portion of that, you know? Yeah. We had a lab laboratory as well in the hotel, a workspace. Oh, we so, did? Yeah. Okay. He was living there and he had, had a workspace, um, you know, and just some of the design quirks about the building weren't typical of the design of buildings back then about how they had these big metal pipes going deep into the ground, like their services, because part of the Tesla Tower is that you need tunnels. Um, to help complete the circuit and so okay. yeah then there's lots of these tunnels leading away f um, from the new yorker hotel like deep in the ground so it, it sort of on the surface it looks like that's what was happening or he was trying to achieve whether he achieved it and got got there in the end before he died i don't know yeah you know bevo have you ever heard of uh, coral castle in the united states no actually that would be an interesting one to look up propaganda you know that one i yeah i'm not familiar with that one either Oh, no, it's it's pretty incredible. So there's a guy who lived on this plot of land that made a castle for a, if I'm remembering the story correctly, he was in, uh, he was like an immigrant or he was um, waiting for his wife or girlfriend to come over from overseas. And he wanted to build this property for her. And he used the natural coral around the area. He would have it shipped up to this property. But the thing was, was that he was by himself the whole time. The whole town knew that he lived alone and he was moving these stones that were thousands and thousands of pounds. And he was arranging them in what looked like just a rudimentary castle. So if you were to, you know, build like stone walls in the ancient times, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't doing any masonry with them he was just kind of placing them but the placements were pretty incredible and at one point in time somebody asked him well how are you doing this and he actually said i figured out the secrets of how they built the pyramids now what was significant about it was he had a tower on that property also and it looked just like the Wardenclyffe tesla's tower but on top of it was a big black box and nobody knew what was in it and it was one time a couple of kids coming home from school real young children and they saw him moving <coughs> one of these stones and the parents asked him how he did it and the kids said well he was using ice cream cones so 
what, if you look at that from a technological point of view, what it looks like was he was harnessing that power in a tower that Tesla was doing, the same type of setup, but he was actually putting enough emitting out of two cones that would resonate in like a torsion field to be able to lift these blocks up. And there was one of them that had been, it's been pushed a lot of time. The place is actually a, a tourist destination now. And uh, he had a, a 9,000 pound stone upright as a doorway into, it's a revolving doorway into the castle that was so perfectly balanced and leveled that a single person can push the 9,000 pound stone and move it around to get inside. Wow, I just yeah. done a little. I just done a little bit of research. Why, whilst you were um, talking about that, he he crafted all. This is back in the nineteen twenties, and he crafted it all by hand. And how he did it, he kept as it was a closely guarded secret. No one sort of knows how he did it. And there was eleven hundred tons of coral rock he used, like it's a limestone rock. Amazing. And not only that, he built it because it was it was um, built in Florida City. Uh, he moved it to Homestead in Florida, which is 10 miles away. So not only did he build it, but he pulled it down and put it back up again. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing, eh? So, yeah. Yeah, he, he claimed that he figured out the, the system they used to build the pyramids, and it looked like he was using something very similar to whatever type of energy source that they were using and that was in the 1920s you said yeah he he started building in in early 1920 and he continued that until the early 50s until his death so he was building that for over 30 years so yeah so this is some now uh, believe it or not when, uh, again when he passed away there were people that went in and rooted looted was the the story it was it was looted or robbed but that black box that was on the top of what looked like the Wardenclyffe tower that same tower that black box was one of the things that they took from the property mm. and so that might have been the thing that was converting the energy coming out of the ground into the resonance field that he needed to be able to do that so that that piece of material has been gone so that's you know a lot of this some of this like technology has gotten lost but some of this stuff is just straight suppressed that we've been talking about and you know me and propaganda were having a discussion before a little while ago and he said he had a good time going down one of my favorites is the zero point energy and if people started looking nowadays into some of the quantum field mechanics then they'll start to see that there might be another energy source out there that we're, uh, we're unfamiliar with and we're still like looking on how to use it. And Prop, what did you find on that zero point? Well, yeah, so I mean, just the, the super crude uh, layman's version of it is zero point is sort of the base layer in energy uh, at the quantum layer, right? So it's sort of like if you, you know, just kind of go down the, the physics stack, it's sort of like the thing that holds the whole universe together. And uh, so where I kind of got exposed to it is sort of getting into some of this um, uh, Stephen Greer and sort of some of the, the you know, alien uh, UFO kind of objects. And there always is a tendency to kind of go back to these, you know, either zero point energy or these super powerful base layer energies for all these, you know, things we're getting reports of. 
and um, you know, it just it, it the the part that I'm you know I'll let you get into sort of more of the details of that, but the part that I've sort of trying to scratch my head on is assuming all this stuff is true. It's like how how are they keeping this stuff secret? And why isn't any, you know, and if it's out there, why isn't anybody just like capitalizing it on it in an obvious way? Or, or are they, I guess, is sort of where I kind of come from it. And so I've just been trying to figure out the motivations and how do you keep such a big secret of something so powerful? You know, before we do that, I just want to let our audience know that this zero point energy, one of the speculations and theories of where this came from was if a if energy is in the form of a wave it needs a medium to move through so you know the uh radio waves need the atmosphere to move through and things like that but in a vacuum waves aren't supposed to move through so the thing is is that they were saying that well the light coming from the sun is acting as a wave as it's coming here and if it's the if space is actually a vacuum, it wouldn't have a medium to move through. So there must be something else there. Now, <clears throat> when you were t- what you were talking about, prop was, I looked into it a little bit, you know, from a different direction because this energy source before it was called zero point was actually called the ether, mm-hmm. and that's A E T H E R. Now this is an ancient energy source that we find in religions all over the world. Everyone has spoken about this at some point. And what it got me thinking was, you know, maybe there was a time where people did know how to harness this. Just as we said, there was, you know, ancient cultures that might have been using electricity. They might have been using this ether also because they all spoke about it. It seems like it was very common in the ancient writings. But with the modern times, we don't have this as a... um, it's something that we would use in like a, a, a science book yet. You know what I mean? They, they believe that it was pseudoscience. And if we do use it, it they're probably not going to call it that. They're going to call it zero point. But I looked at it and I said, you know, a lot of these ancient cultures and their old writings, they also had flying machines. And for a long time, people thought that the ability to fly was impossible, you know. So it took science or modern science a long time to catch up with some of the stuff that the ancients knew and i'm wondering if the ether the the zero point energy is going to be another thing that takes science a long time to catch up to <clears throat> but what you're saying is how do you keep a secret that big <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> i guess if you indoctrinate enough people because i've taken engineering classes and you know they they, they have a way of saying yeah, you're allowed to make fire, but you can only do it by rubbing two sticks together. You know what I mean? So they, they're not looking for you to, you know, look for something new. They just want you to memorize what is current. So you don't have a lot of room in those classes for thinking outside of the box. So there's a big part of our culture that doesn't believe that zero point energy is possible. Same thing with cold fusion. You don't see a lot of people believing that that will ever happen, but yet there might be a possible time where it does. So, yeah, and then, as you said, you know, what, what's the end game on this? Where is it going of why of keeping it secret? <clears throat> yeah, there's a couple of things with, with that. I mean, it's, it's fairly heavy into physics, and I'm no physicist, but there, um, there, there is at absolute zero... Um, 
and I'm going back to my school days here, is it minus 273 Kelvin? Is that an absolute zero? Do you guys know? Anyway, whatever it is, absolute zero, nothing's supposed to happen. But this zero point energy works in that. Like at, at absolute zero, everything's supposed to stop, right? Done. That's it. It's all over. Nothing's moving. But but this, this um, zero point energy actually exists at that. So there's something there. And then there's the other thing called the Casimir effect um, that I was reading about. And that is if you put two like plates in a, in a vacuum, they have um, a minute or minuscule um, uh, what's an attractive force between the plates. And it's due to the difference in zero point energy inside and outside the plates. So that means you can get these plates to move in, in, a, in a vacuum, basically. And th that's actually been measured and verified in, lab in laboratory tests. So it's a thing. It actually, um, it, it's actually a thing. I just don't think that we understand it. Well, hang on. I shouldn't say that we understand it. The general populace doesn't understand it, but I'm sure there's um, um, laboratories in Area 51 that have taken this technology off, yeah. off of crashed UF UFOs and take them into those... Um, deep military bases and i've been working on it for years um you know for sure i'd really like to see you know i'm going to ask you later bevo to post on nasser if you could that experiment because i'm not familiar with that one but i would like to see that you're saying it's giving a definitive measurable result yeah apparently awesome yeah that is awesome i would love to see that and uh yeah so i mean now we look at this and we say hey one day you know, would we all be using this type of energy when the general population better understands it? That would be awesome. But propaganda, I, I have a better uh, better way of looking at uh, this, or more not better, but a more interesting way of looking at this as we were talking yesterday. <laughs> so what have you come up with with your idea on why suppress all this technology? Now, there the obvious looks like the oil companies. But did you come up with anything else with well, that no, in your the, line the, of the, thinking? Because it's oil, good. The oil companies is that this is okay. So let me run through my, this is just my way my brain works and my skepticism is okay. So the oil companies is sort of the, the de facto excuse why this stuff, you know, is the, all these stories of it, somebody getting killed or suppressed. But to me, I have problems with that because if I were, you know, one of these oil companies and I, and there was an alternative unlimited source energy out there that these people apparently keep rediscovering over and over and all these crazy inventors in my mind before that cat got out of the bag i would want to be the owner of that i would want to be the one the, the sole manufacturer of it or the one that's benefiting from unlimited energy right and so the idea i mean and i'm not arguing that this may be being exploited somewhere but it's sort of like if you have this fossil fuel thing which you're making a lot of money on but then you have this higher level energy that you could also um you know profit from uh, I, I just don't understand why it wouldn't be exploited in essence and so the game theory of why you would suppress the technology and not exploit it when it's magnitudes more powerful than what you currently have um especially if you're the guy that's finding these people and killing them why not distill the technology and then you know basically make the make a bunch of money you know, I will say this, though, it might be something on the matter of time of where they're at with it, not necessarily mm -hmm. the the technology or not uh, the energy, but the technology end of actually harnessing and trying to figure out a way to capitalize on it. 
I will tell a quick story. There was a uh, there's a power company out in the Midwest of the United States that they were the power company forever, and they decided to get into solar. But it took a very long time because first they had to go to the local government and buy up uh, or actually have a law passed that people who use solar weren't allowed to sell the energy back to the grid. Because if you found a way to create energy at your home, you used to be able to sell it back to the grid. So first they stopped that. And then they had to create a law that said, look, you're not allowed to put up more solar panels than whatever the structure is using at that time. So whatever your kilowatt hours were at that time, you were never allowed to put up more panels to create a surplus. Then after that, they bought up the panel companies. And when they did, they installed a rule saying, okay, from now on, if you want solar panels, you have to buy them from us, but we're going to charge you a monthly service fee for doing this and running all this stuff together. So basically what it was, was they captured the, this technology from every direction that they could, brought it to the public and charged these people the exact same amount as their electric bill. The electric bill never changed for the public, but they were in control of the entire uh, system from front to back, from the panel all the way to get into the energy into the house. So it took a long time for these laws to get passed because obviously everybody saw what they were doing. They just needed the right politicians <clears throat> to be able to buy off and it eventually happened. Gotcha. That's interesting. I mean, uh, the, the idea of suppression, it, it it's, it's always the same core set of things that that things get suppressed or hidden from us or the narratives that created and that is um power and money and and those two things always that's what it comes down to um you know absolute yeah power, you, know, you know i had a real uh extreme point of view that i told propaganda on and again this is just speculation but i told him i said you know he had asked what is the point of suppressing all this i mean you could still be, you know, king of the hill if you were the company that was able to, you know, uh, exploit this type of energy, technologically speaking. And I told him, you know, it, basically, you know, he said, well, why don't these guys just use that energy instead of a power station, stop using the fossil fuels and still charge the people for the energy on the back end? And I said, well, you know, if you look at it from a much bigger point of view for you know, humanity itself globally, if you have the human race and you know that there is a, you know, predetermined amount of time that we can survive on this planet because it won't last forever and neither will the sun. So we need to get out of here. Well, if it's not necessarily just a control issue of the people here, what if the people that are not part of the 1% are being looked at as a labor force? So you want to go and travel the stars, but you're still a human being that has base organic needs and you need a way to get there. Well, you could either be the guy who's, you know, going from planet to planet and, and expanding your own bloodline and the human race itself just to keep us, you know, surviving. But you need a huge workforce in one location to be able to do that because you can't do it if you're out you know plowing fields 
So what I said was, from that point of view, I think the reason that this stuff gets suppressed is because there is a group of people that's using it for their own benefit to move the human race off planet sometime in the future, but only their people, only the people that they want. And however that gets decided, but they still use the rest of us as a workforce here on this planet. That was my theory on why it would be held so close to the chest of not letting this technology out. If you get it out once and everybody gets this technology in any way, that entire plan is ruined. And you don't think these guys want to go from, you know, journeying around the galaxy and spacefaring to sitting there picking tomatoes off of trees. You know what I mean? So that was my theory on that. Well, it, and, and yeah, I mean, we could probably do a show about that new one. Um, it's pretty out there. Dude, but, it's very out there. I'm, yeah, <laughs> very. Yeah. I'm aware of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Spacefaring uh, uh, aliens. That's our uh, next episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, props. I don't like encouraging him. You know, sometimes he can, he can <laughs> just go. He just keeps going on. You know, you've got to pull him back sometimes. Um, but that's all I'll say on that. But you know, it, it, bringing it closer to home, it's when I say power and money, it, the power is not necessarily corporate power. It's it's governmental power. If and they're such a cynical bunch, and you know, think that the world is going to try and take them over and steal everything. Maybe they are. I don't know. But you know, we've always got to try and remain. Well, any one country's got to always try and remain, remain one step ahead of its enemy. So you know, for example, what would have happened? How would our world look if the Germans had have gotten to the atomic bomb in a workable form before we did? Yeah, you know that that's yeah. what that's what I'm saying. So, all these dudes that are working in governments various around the globe, they see something like they've found some papers from Tesla's, um, you know, box number fifty-five, and thought, you know, that that shit can go somewhere. We need to hold on to that and experiment with it because the other side, if they get hold of this, they could develop that and then wipe us off the planet. So. That's what I'm probably more indicating in, in um, you know, it's all about power. Um, and I think that's what drives a lot of, you know, it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that aspect. I guess where my mind goes, though, it's sort of like if, if all these guys, like a lot of these inventors are, you know, kind of coming up with this in their laboratories, I would just kind of go if some random person in America can invent it, just, just the same possibility some random person over in India or or Russia. So I just, it, it, to me, it's kind of the, this head scratcher of, you know, I kind of, I'm in somewhat going down to the same uh, level as new one where it's sort of like, you know, some advanced evil power here that's suppressing it. Not just uh, the normal, uh, you know, or it could be, <laughs> it could be like a, like a hybrid of what we're talking about. Like Bevo was saying, you know, every, you know, country, wants to be the biggest kid on the block. So exactly. if they did have people, we would have something similar to an Operation Paperclip in America, where during World War II, you know, the Nazis were very technologically advanced. As soon as the war was over, every country ran in there and tried to scoop up as many of their scientists as they could. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, each one of the countries, whether they were on each other's side or not, still wanted to be the biggest kid on the block. So that could be happening now. 
You know, I mean, sure. there could be some other Tesla in some other country doing the same thing, and that country could be doing the exact same thing this country did to our Tesla. And it is possible that all this stuff is being exploited. We just don't get to see any of it. Uh, it's sort of that whole military technology has like a, what is it, about a 50-year lag time, it seems like, before yep. us peons get to see it or even know it exists. Yeah. We'll get blown yeah. up by it, yeah. Anyway, that's um, we've been babbling on here for an hour, guys, so we probably should uh, think about wrapping that up. I mean, this was a fairly light episode. It wasn't, um, you know going in deep 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 into conspiracies like it has been over the last few weeks so we've had a couple of more quieter weeks which is good to have a bit of a rest on the really dark stuff um props again i'd like to thank you for um filling in for for ralph much appreciated um yeah, great having you bud yeah it was a pleasure yeah. i'm sure i didn't fill his shoes but yeah I yeah <laughs> no you did great props well done thanks very much uh new one thanks for gracing us with your presence uh, once again, appreciate it. Um, I don't have anything else to add. Um, uh, either of you guys got anything to say? I'm good. Oh, yeah, that's it. Good okay, show. well, thanks, everybody down there in the audience, for dropping in. Um, appreciate you, as always, every week for popping in and, and giving support. Um, and to all the listeners that will catch us on Fountain or their favourite podcasting app, um, thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll be lucky enough that you'll support us again next week. Uh, thanks for that, and uh, bye for now. <laughs>